Our gracious, our good, kind God, we thank you for the chance to get together uh, and to talk and to wrestle with life's um, struggles and questions and your truth and your word. And as we come uh, to this time, this hour together, may it be uh, encouraging, may you grant humility, and may you grant growth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Isaac is on vacation. I know. Lazy. I... Who, who gives associates vacation? Uh, uh, he's actually down uh, saying goodbye to his childhood home. So his parents are putting it on the market. They're moving up to uh, Corvallis area, Salem area in Oregon. And um, it was kind of their last chance to go down and, and say goodbye. So he's, he's down at the family home. And, uh, he's been down there this week having a good time. And so while whenever he's gone, I've been covering Sunday school for him, and we've been doing uh, these horribly named Brett talks. Uh, and we've the last few uh, sessions, we started looking at critical race theory. And of course, the question becomes, why? Uh, this sounds like a, a, a political issue, a social issue. Why would we be talking about it in the church and in Sunday school? And, and the reason is... Um, well, first of all, it's just part of what's going on. It's part of what people are hearing, and there are a lot of questions about it, but you're also hearing it from uh, Christian leaders in broadly evangelical churches and even in some Reformed churches. And the question becomes, is, is the, what is it, and is it compatible with our Christian faith? And so I've been trying to um, unpack that a little bit real quick. Uh, and, and with critical race theory, I, I've been talking about intersectionality, uh, the two go hand in hand. Critical race theory is um, it, it's, it's an approach to taking Karl Marx's economic theory and applying it uh, to to race. And so, um, in this sense, then racism is redefined as a corporate uh, issue rather than an individual issue. Um, it is defined as a white issue because, at least in our country, white people have predominantly had the place of privilege. Um, and so in that classification, really, it's only possible to be racist if you're white. Uh, and the argument is that America is systemically racist. In other words, it is ingrained in its laws and institutions. Uh, and then its, its, its goal is that people should be rewarded uh, on the basis not of their labors, but all people should receive the same outcome. And that has how they have, uh, uh, these schools of thought have redefined equity. Equity used to mean equality of opportunity. Here it means equality of outcome. And, and so, uh, if, if different people have different amounts of wealth, uh, or, or wages, it's be, it must be because of some sort of prejudice um, and some sort of injustice. And this goes along with intersectionality, which takes that thought, that theory, and moves it into other areas like social class, uh, gender, gender identity, uh, sexual orientation, and numerous other areas. And uh, and it says that some, some of these afford privilege and some uh, bring oppression. And so the... The idea with intersectionality is the more groups that you belong to that have historically uh, been underprivileged or oppressed, sort of the more social credit you get. And our goal 
is, is not to say everything that can be said about these issues or, or, or everything related to them, but to narrowly ask, is this compatible with the Bible? And how should we as Christians, first of all, uh, interact with these views, and then secondly, interact with those who hold those views? Um, and so I'm not trying to make any political statements here, simply trying to evaluate these philosophies in light of God's word. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. So before we start, my reminder every time is that these are sensitive topics. They are emotional topics. And emotional topics bring out all sorts of fear and anger. And we want to do the best we can to discuss these charitably. Because that's what the Lord expects of us. Uh, That's what the Lord calls us to. Um, Last time I, I looked at a couple of issues related to this. Uh, so two times ago, I just defined the issues, and then last time we looked at the image of God and original sin. Um, when we looked at the, the the image of God, I noted that within within uh, CRT, critical race theory and intersectionality, the most important thing about people is what makes them different. Your race, your gender, your things like this. Uh, but biblically, the most important thing about us is what? That we're made in the image of God. What makes us the same? That's a fundamentally different way of looking at humanity. What unites us or what divides us. and um, Or at least distinguishes us. Because really these things shouldn't divide us. And, and we looked at some of the passages in the Bible where, where God talks about how important the image of God is in people. And how an assault on people is an assault on his image. Um, and so we, we looked at that, and, and, and that led into also the discussion of original sin. Uh, just as what unites us in dignity is the image of God, what unites us in guilt and shame is that we are all sinful and born sinful. And that we all have a, 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 a bent towards sin that we're born with, and we all need mercy and grace. That there's none who does righteous, no, not one, none who does good. Whereas as, uh, CRT and intersectionality, when you at least listen to them in practice, there's automatic presumption of guilt for certain kinds of people and automatic presumption of innocence for others without ever looking at the facts. And, and we can't say, oh, because of the color of your skin or your gender or something like that, you're automatically innocent. We all are sinners and prone towards sin. And and, um, and so there's that big problem. So we saw that. And then the second thing we looked at was the issue of justice. Um, obviously, uh, CRT and intersectionality are closely connected with the social, social justice movement and, and at least appear to be very interested in justice. And so we took some time to, to first acknowledge that that justice is very important to God. The Bible talks about justice. Um, we, uh and then we, we saw that again last week in the sermon where we, you know, that quotation from Micah 6, 8, you know, he has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To, 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 to love justice and to love mercy and kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Justice is one of those things that God loves and calls us to love. But justice uh, defined rightly means to give each man according to what he has done. Uh, Condemning or exonerating someone based upon, upon the color of their skin is, is injustice. And, and no race 
uh, is innocent of that in that in our history. Um, punishing someone for what uh, for what someone else has done is not justice. Saying it's okay to to burn that store down because this verdict in a courtroom was unjust is 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 not justice. Um, Justice leads to personal responsibility in dealing with the actual injustice, not some vague notion of it. Uh, it leads to personal responsibility, and that uh, just is overwhelmingly absent from the, the, the rhetoric and the literature in, in these movements. Um, you can't deal with one injustice through an equally heinous injustice. Uh, and so then towards the end, we looked at Ibram uh, X. Kendi's quote that the goal really is to replace one sort of discrimination with another. Uh, he says the answer to past discrimination is present discrimination. The answer to present discrimination is future discrimination. And, and that's not what the Lord calls us to. The Lord doesn't say, pay him back. He says, vengeance is mine. Um, and so in other words... What's being argued for in that literature is not justice, but vengeance. And, and we have to seek a better solution. We have to seek a better solution. That's what, what we came to last time, or what I did at least. So today we're going to continue our discussion. And, and I want to look at a couple more additional issues, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think I can get definitely through privilege and then possibly gospel. I don't know. I doubt it. Um, but I want to look at, at the issue of privilege because this this is being discussed a lot. And, and we need to ask, um, is the way it's being discussed biblical? Uh, and then um, either this time or next time, I, we've already asked, is, is it compatible with God's law? I want to ask, is it compatible with God's gospel? And I'll explain more about what I mean by that. When we get there, but first let's talk about privilege. How many of you have heard the issue of privilege raised in sort of the corporate dialogue in the last couple of years? Any? Okay. Okay. Um, what is typically being addressed? What kinds of issues of privilege are typically being addressed in, in kind of the, the corporate social dialogue these days? Okay, so equal pay. So in other words, what that is, is that men um, uh, occupy a unique place of privilege when it comes to income. Okay, okay. What else? Housing. Housing, okay. Uh, where you live, what kind of home you own, whether you own a home at all. Yeah, okay, good. Um, oh, well, okay. Uh, so that would be... Um, uh, college entrance, jobs, and things like this. Good. Okay. That. Okay. Okay. Jonathan? Yeah, I'm taking some of those things with, like, race, um, housing, and these different aspects and sort of making them into discrete points that you can then stack up and have this sort of key counting exercise. Okay, right, right. The more things, right. Yeah. Absolutely. The more privileges you have, right? The, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at how many, right? And, and chief among these, it seems like right now being talked about, 
are, are gender and race uh, and economics, right? Um, so, uh, are you well? Are you? Do you have a wealthy family? Do you? Are you white? Uh, you know, are you male? Things like this. Um, it's somewhat associated too with the whole climate change discussion. Okay. Um, so the, the, the focus of, of uh, the idea of privilege. So the fact that people drive cars or can afford to drive cars you know, means that they're adversely affecting the planet. Right. So okay. Right. So th- there tends to be this greater burden. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, And so what typically follows after after unique um, places of privilege are identified, what what tends to follow? Okay. Uh, being told that you're not understanding because you have okay. privilege. Okay. You don't understand, and so you really can't get what people's fear. Right. So on, on one hand, there there comes to be a silence. Like if you if you if you're a person of privilege, right? Right. There's so it, it really what what lies under that is um, guilting and shaming, right? Uh, because you have privilege, whether that, whatever that is, whether that's finances or, or, or your, your, the color of your skin or your gender, right? Um, if you have privilege, you should feel what about it? Guilt. Guilt, right? And shame. So you don't get to speak. You don't have a voice, right? There's this, there's this punishment, right? And so what does that lead people to do? Johnny? Division, good. Right, it's very divisive, and and how do you re- and what are people tend to, tempted to respond to when they get accused of of having all sorts of privilege? Self defense. Okay, but what kind of self defense? You're absolutely right. We get defensive, but what? Right, you start to scramble and look for ways you're not privileged, right? Right, deny that you are, right? Um, So let me ask you this. Is privilege bad? Is it something God condemns? No. No. Defend yourself. (laughs) Okay. 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 The fact that we have the grace to be called into his kingdom as Gentiles would be. Right. In other words, there we go. So at at, at the root of it, grace is a gift by definition. (laughs) And God gives it. Does he hate those to whom he gives it? Right. There's like, 
To ask the question is to answer it, right? And vice versa. If they don't have it, God must hate them, right? Right. Well, that can be, but we got to be careful, you know, with with what the Lord actually says about that. But but in and of itself, uh, the idea of um, the idea that that privilege itself is 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 bad is just a very broad statement. Um, Sean. Right. Yeah, Romans 9 is like, here are all the privileges of being a child of Abraham. And then he gives us several examples after that of Pharisees and priests unjustly using that. Right, because with great gifts come great responsibility, right? Of whom who is given much, much is expected, right? But but the idea that it's just wrong to be given something is is not biblical. Are there certain kinds of privilege that are bad? Yes, right? The Bible, like, uh, uh, Psalm 15, 5, makes it clear that denying justice to someone because they're poor, in other words, giving unique um, uh, 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 privileges to somebody because just because they're rich, is abhorrent in our God's eyes. And James talks about that. Yes. Right. 1 Corinthians 11 is all about the wickedness of giving unique privileges to people simply because of some status, whether that's uh, they're Jews or Gentiles or rich or poor, there are there there are there's favoritism that the Lord abhors. Okay, with, uh, it's just hands down the Bible talks about that and, and condemns it. Um, uh, uh, mistreating someone in order to help a friend, denying somebody justice in order to kind of scratch the back of someone who can help you. The Lord hates those things. Um, uh, the unjust privilege is clearly forbidden. But that's very different from saying all privilege is bad. Um, Proverbs 13, two, I mean, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. In other words, the, the Lord says, here is, is something that pleases me. When you're not foolish with your resources and you provide not only for your children but your grandchildren, right? Um, that's what a good man does. He says, uh, but a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. In other words, a fool and his money are soon parted, right? Um, Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. What does that mean in terms of privilege? Why would I even quote that here? It's okay. It's a proof of sonship. Um, but I, and you're, you're, you're spot on. But I want to go, okay, so how does that affect the question of privilege? Absolutely. Okay. Right. Okay. So, right. Okay. So, so it is a unique privilege to receive the Lord's discipline because He's actually helping you. That's also true with earthly parents, right? Um, let me ask you this: 
is an undisciplined child more privileged than a disciplined child or a disciplined child more privileged than an undisciplined child in that category? I don't mean universally, every, you know, all the aspects, but which is, which is better for the child? Discipline. Discipline. In other words, the Bible teaches us to say this is a gift to our children. And a child who doesn't have that has not received that gift. And that's a shame and that's sad. The Lord doesn't say, well, that gives your child a leg up in society. Don't do that. And the Lord says, do it. It's better for your child. In fact, every single instruction the Bible gives the parents is for whose benefit? The child's. Like, what instruction in the Bible does the, is given to parents for the sake of the parents? Well, sure, but even that is really for whose sake? The children, so they might learn to honor their earthly father. Yeah, that's good for the parents, but but that's also the instruction to the child. What instruction to the parent on how to raise their child is given for the parent's benefit? Sure, it might make the house better, but it's all about helping your child grow, right, in the way that they should go so they might not turn from it. Um. So think about all the things a parent's called to do for their child. Discipline. Teach them responsibility. A hard work ethic. Uh, put a roof over their child's head. Put food on their child's plate. Uh, love them. Show them mercy. Grace. Uh, all of those instructions are, are for the child. And every one of them, when received, is a privilege. It's a unique gift. It's a leg up. Um, it is better than not having it. It is, in short, a privilege. Okay, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll jump in. I am unquestionably the recipient of great privilege, without a doubt. Uh, I was born in America, first of all. I, I, I don't live in constant fear for my safety, for wars, for, for uh, uh, some sort of, Huge oppression or things like that, or, or, or uh, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to constantly be bribing uh, civic officials just to, to go about my life. Uh, I was raised in an upper middle class home. I never worried or wondered where my next meal would come from. Uh, I never worried about living in a safe neighborhood. Uh, we didn't have bars on our windows. My parents never brought home unsavory house guests that I worried for my safety. Um, I had two loving parents. I still have two loving parents. I should use the right uh, verb tense there. Uh, and they sacrificed so much for me. Uh, they were around. I was never left to kind of figure out life on my own. When I came home from school, my mom was there. Uh, when my dad came home, he was always available to help me with schoolwork or, or whatever or other projects. Um, oh, yeah, and the schools I went to were above average. Uh, on the weekends, I was expected to help around the house. I learned skills. I learned uh, work ethic. I learned the blessing of a job well done. Uh, I learned problem-solving creativity. I had regular health care. I learned how to engage people in authority. I learned how to talk to adults. I learned how to handle myself in new situations. My mom took me to church. I learned about my sin. I learned about God's grace. I came to salvation. I was never mistreated because of my skin color or my gender or anything like that, 
I may very well be the poster child of privilege. Okay? I don't deny that. My question is, what do I do with that? Biblically. What do I do with that? What does God call me to do with that? That's the question that no one can seem to agree on. Some might say, well, I, that's embarrassing, and I need to hide those things as much as I can. Deny them. Press them down because they make my voice irrelevant. You, you, Sean keeps doing this. I think he's bidding. <laughs> Sold! <laughs> yes. That I should repent. But before I even use it, gratitude. Right. Um, yes. What do I do if I deny it, hide it, or feel guilty about it, or repent of it? What am I doing? Covering up God's blessing. Yes. I'm, I'm dishonoring. I'm being dishonest, which is a sin. I'm being ungrateful, which is a sin. I'm not honoring my parents who sacrificed so much to do that. I'm not breaking the fifth commandment. So let's see, I've got the fifth, the ninth, uh, huh? The first. The first, yeah. Um, the Bible condemns such a response. Others will say that it's, it, I am somehow less because of those benefits and those privileges. They've, it's vilified. What's wrong with that? It's calling good evil, evil good. It's calling good evil and evil good. Good. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, but to call those things sin, all your privilege as sin is to say that God has sin in promoting those things within your life. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, Dave? Um, it would be similar to, to saying if you weren't the firstborn of your family, uh, of your siblings, that you were somehow not a person of privilege in that situation. We don't. We don't seek to be born into the family we're born into. We don't seek to, to have all the favors that you had in your life, the things that you count as blessings. They're not something we go out and pursue. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, um, it dishonors God to say, I, I can't, you know, I have to repent from these things. That's not a sin. That's God's blessing to you. And gratitude is, is the best response. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, let me try to put all that together, right? The first thing is, uh, somebody said, it calls evil good, right? Um, 
it inverts things and says it's better not to have those privileges than to have them. That, beloved, is a lie. Those things were better for me than not having them. To tell my parents they messed up for doing those things. Yes. That turns on its head. It says it's better if you don't. That's a lie. And and so it de-incentivizes doing the right thing. All of those things that my parents did for me came at a great cost. Um, And and the last thing we want to do is discourage that. That's bad. (laughs) I hope that makes sense. Secondly, it leads, as we've, somebody said, ingratitude, right? It creates shame for receiving good things. And suddenly now people deny the gifts they've been, they've been given. And that's an assault on the one who gave the gifts, whether that's your parents or your teachers or your God, from whom every good and perfect gift comes down. James. But I think there's another problem is I think the way the discussion is being held today, it limits privilege to a very few things which are largely out of our control. The color of your skin, your gender, your class. In other words, it wants you to feel guilty for the things you can't control, (laughs) right? Um, And it ignores the many, many things that every family can pursue. How much money What do you have to have? What color skin do you have to have? What gender do you have to be to love your child? To discipline your child? To have, to have two parents in the home? To go to church? To, to, to be present? To help with the education? Uh, to teach your child to hold themselves to a higher standard than they hold others? Um, humility? Gratitude, a strong work ethic, uh, creative problem solving. What color do you have to be? What gender do you have to be? And how much money do you have to do to do any of those? The same is available. The same is available. Now, um, what I don't want to do is say, I'll I'll, I'll come back to, (laughs) okay, let me say this. I'm not saying it's equally easy for everybody. To say it's equally available does not mean it's equal easy. Where did my parents learn to do that? From their parents. Who learned it from their parents? These are generational. Um, uh, it 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 was more natural for them. Okay? I get that. Um, and I, I have a lot of, I mean, I, not every, Family has the same circumstances, raised in the same place. There, you've got all sorts of, of, of things that, that make these things harder. Personal trauma, mental illness, uh, your neighborhood and gangs and influences. I, I don't, I'm not trying to diminish all of that. I'm not trying to pretend it's all so easy and just do it. I, I, it's, that's not the solution. It's, all I'm trying to say is the vast majority of the privileges that I received aren't because of my skin color. They, they aren't limited to. They're, they are available. And, and I don't think the conversation today is, is ha- saying, okay, what can we... 
There's things we can't change, but there are things we can. What should we be focusing on? In my mind. Um, None of those benefits are the exclusive possession of a particular skin color, gender, or economic status. And I, I, that we would do well to, to think about that. Um, if you've never watched Gifted Hands, you should. The Ben Carson story? Okay. Uh, he was raised in an incredibly rough neighborhood. Uh, and his mom said, you will be home every day, you will do your homework, and she sat on him like a log. And he is one of the most brilliant surgeons to have ever have lived. He, ben Carson is, is amazing. That's his mom. That is his mom. And the privileges she gave him. And they came at a great cost. It, it, it's amazing. Um, uh, Charlie, you had your hand up? I, I think you're touching on it. My que- I had a question about, like, do you think that there is uh, an, a general embrace of the lie that privilege is immutable, and that's why it's, because of the lie, it's an easy target. So if you have privilege, this other person doesn't, it can't be obtained, it can be torn down or taken by force. Yeah, I think so. So in other words, it might have been easier for my parents to do those things because it was the model they received from their parents. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Right. But Right. Of course it does, right? But even in the midst of that, like as I was reading my list, I was thinking about your story. I hope I can say that out loud. Yeah. Um, right. Very different stories. But in the midst of all that, what did the Lord do? He, he saved you. But he also brought you into a different family. Right? And you actually do have fathers and mothers who are coming alongside of you and bringing a story, and help, and things like that, which is a unique gift and privilege, right? And so even though that story is different, it's not without these wonderful gifts and privileges, right? It's, it's a glorious thing. And, and then one day you get to turn around and, and be that, and so on. And so my, I, I don't want to deny, yes, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. They're all free and incredibly costly. Right. I'd rather, you know, that requires... Well, sure. Right? Yeah. In other words, shaming those who do it isn't the right solution. It might have been easier for them. No question there. I don't want to doubt that. I Everything about... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to... For, for, to begin by saying... I, I didn't start with a wonderful leg up when it comes to, to raising my kids because of the family and, the, and the, you know both Jen and I were raised in and all that. We had wonderful examples and models, not perfect, but wonderful. Like right, 
Um, and I don't want to say it's not going to be harder for somebody who doesn't have that. But what do you do? Do you just throw stones at the one for whom it's easier? You say, I want that for my child. Right? How we respond is, is key. Right. Right. Um, what's interesting, too, is, is it seems like a lot of the rhetoric being discussed today is, is seeking only certain privileges. Um, when, when Kendi talks about reverse discrimination, he's seeking certain privileges that are the very unjust privileges that we should be railing against. A, a job position only being open to a certain gender or, or a certain uh, skin color or whatever. It doesn't matter what that gender is or that skin color is. That's wrong. We don't want that. That's the kind of privilege that the Lord hates and that we need to get rid of, not just exchange one bad thing for another. Right. Um, and so, sorry, did I see a hand over here? Yeah. We, we really need to be careful that we don't fixate on externals and unchangeables. And we folk, the Lord sees the heart, right? And, and that's what we want to focus on. Um, <laughs> I was like, no problem. I can get through provision. Okay, <laughs> or privileges. Um, I, I'm definitely not going to get to the second point, the gospel. So, but I'm going to try, I want to say a couple things here. Um, Within the, huh? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to gain my thoughts. Like, how do I, in the six minutes remaining, um, it's, it, it, I, on one hand, I feel really bad that this, this kind of series is taking so long. But on the other hand, I, I think it's important that we discuss things and, and, and hopefully grow in how we re- relate to God and relate to our fellow man. Uh, within these philosophies, privilege is simultaneously both despised and sought. It's a really interesting thing here. On the one hand, uh, if you have privilege, you're bad, but then Kendi says we need to reverse that and give the privilege to somebody else. And so it's not the eradication of privilege. And so what do you do with this, right? Um, and, and so it gets weaponized, not for the sake of truth, but for the sake of control. Now, if you're familiar with the Heidelberg Catechism, how is it arranged? Guilt, grace, and gratitude. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. I'm like, I hope we have a few Dutch people in the room. Uh, it's the only time you'll ever hear me say that, John. Um, right, guilt, grace, gratitude. It talks about mankind's universal guilt before a holy God, regardless of ethnicity, gender, social status, or what, or your family. We're all condemned sinners before a holy God. And the only hope is what? The grace of God. Guilt, grace. Uh, and grace is a gift. It's a privilege. It's not universal, but it is wonderful. But here's the question. How are we called to respond to that grace, to that privilege? With gratitude, with thankfulness, 
not just in words, but by responding appropriately through service to God, through service to our neighbor. Of he who is given much, much is required. Uh, God condemns hoarding. He doesn't condemn wealth. He condemns hoarding and being selfish. Uh, selfish self-service with the gifts that he gives. They're meant to be used in the service of others. That's the biblical pattern. But we see something very, very different in CRT and intersectionality. Because what does it start with? Not guilt, but what? Covetousness. Covetousness. Um, it starts with the prevailing idea that, that you have, but you shouldn't. Now, that's true in some cases, but not all. And it also starts with the presupposition that if you don't have, it's somebody else's fault. Now, that might be true in some cases, but not all. And that leads to envy, covetousness, or greed. I deserve what you have. It does, it's not fair that you have it. Part of what you have, regardless of how you got it, belongs to me. But what if you get it? What if you get what somebody else had? Did you earn it? No. If Johnny takes from Tommy, Johnny didn't earn it, right? It was a gift. It's grace. It's a privilege. And under the system, if you receive any privilege, and if we're, if we're consistent, how should you feel? Guilty. So instead of going from guilt, grace, gratitude, it goes from greed, grace, guilt. And then the cycle perpetuates. Because the system is built on shame for privilege, if followed consistently, once you have what you seek after, you shouldn't be grateful and generous. You should be guilty and shamed and ashamed, which leads to denial and hiding. And that's not the biblical pattern. There's something deeply broken with this model. And it can't lead to a biblical response. Again, I'm not trying to be um, overly simplistic with, with just saying, we'll just have two parents in the house, be home. But I, I, I get that, that things are broken and, and hard. I, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to deny that. I, I'm not denying that my, my parents had a huge leg up and that, and that helped them to give me a huge leg up. Uh, I, there's, there's homes with drug addiction and, and all sorts of trauma, and there's mental illness, and the list goes on. All I'm saying is that vilifying and hating it and blaming others isn't going to help one bit. That's all. That's summary right there. In fact, it will only make things worse. I've said it before, and, and I'll say it again. I don't think all the problems that are brought up through CRT and, and discussions like this are... Um, are wrong. I, I I will readily admit that some of the the problems that they've identified are are extremely need to be dealt with. What I take issue is is with is the solutions they offer. You don't lift yourself up by tearing others down. That's not the Bible. That's not our God's way. Don't deny the gifts you've been given. Ingratitude is a great evil. Be thankful. Thank your parents. Thank your God. And then use those gifts to serve others. 
That's the biblical uh, pattern. That's, that's what the scriptures teach us. And, and that's a huge, in my mind, uh, problem with, with a lot of the, the current dialogue today and how privilege is being addressed. <laughs> 1045, look at that. Um, uh, I, the gospel section is shorter. We'll talk about that. Maybe next time we'll go on to a few concluding points. So one or two more of these. Uh, thank you for bearing with me patiently. I, I think these things are worth talking about um, be, because we should resonate with people who have been truly uh, suffered injustices. That, that's, that's abhorrent in our God's eyes. But as we look at how to respond, we, we need to hold not just the evils and the woes of our society before his under his word, but the proposed solutions as well. That, that's where I wanted to head. Okay, uh, I'm going to close in prayer, and then um, we'll have a few minutes if you want to chat. That's great. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you that we can come and talk about these things, and we pray that uh, we would be grateful for the many privileges you have given us, that we'd never be ashamed of them, or deny them. But we would with humility of heart praise you. And with tears in our eyes and sorrow in our heart, we would lament for those who have not enjoyed them and seek to use those privileges, those gifts you've given to serve others. May all things be brought under the scrutiny of your word. May every thought be brought captive to your truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. (laughs) 